Stay tuned for some Fire Safe Radio coming your way. Mendocino County Fire Safe Council Radio Show. Welcome, Director Scott Craddy. Thanks, Cobb. Um, and for everybody that's eager to get to the impeachment trials, um, it's coming up. But hang with us for, for the next hour, and you may learn some things to help make your neighborhood safer from wildfire. Speaking of which, um, unless you've been in a deep bunker with, with no media, you're aware that we have a wildfire crisis in California. And you probably also know that the causes are myriad. Um, Just to list a few, uh, from increased fuel loads, from fire suppression to hotter, drier weather, uh, to rampant sudden oak death, to us moving further into wildlands and not designing our homes to be fire resistant. Um, And and we could go on. There are myriad plot problems and there need to be myriad solutions. And one of them can be waiting for a government or a nonprofit to land a big grant and to win the lottery and have them come to your neighborhood and and do a lot of fire reduction work uh, or some prescribed burning. But even if that happens, that's not going to solve the problem because there are a lot of causes and all of that will start to grow back. So you need a maintenance plan and you need organization for your neighborhood. So the other way to get a lot done is to have a lot of people do a little bit. And that's what today's show is about, or a little bit or a, or a fair bit, at least. Um, today's show is about neighborhood fire safe councils and how important they are and how easy it is to create one and the range of things they can do. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to introduce three guests that are uh, leaders and, and founders or co-founders of their own neighborhood fire safe councils. Um, before I do that, I want to give a little context and say that the ones that happen to be on this show, um, one are inland, but um, there are a lot of fire safe councils all over the county. Anderson Valley is rich in them. Uh, South Fort Bragg has a great one. CompG's got a great group going on. Uh, and there are lots of others on the coast. Uh, and there are lots more inland as well. Um, so... Uh, They're all over the place. They need to be all over the place. There are 35, in fact, throughout the county at the moment. You can find them on the map on our website, firesafemendocino.org. And they have a huge range uh, from, um, I can think of one that has possibly 25 houses on one street on it, which is excellent. That's a great, great approach to take. And there are others, like a couple on the show today, that have thousands of people in, in their coverage area and uh, lots of activities and lots of projects. And all of those are good things. Uh, the key is to be, 
being part of one and doing something. Um, so neighborhood fire safe councils are a great tool to help you get ready for wildfire. Um, and they also come with a heap of benefits. Uh, neighborhood fire safe councils, if you're a part of one, uh, the leadership of that gets plugged into our leadership network. So you find out about opportunities, uh, about grants that we're applying for or grants that we've got uh, before other people do as a as kind of bonus for having a neighborhood fire safe council. Uh, neighborhood councils organize work parties. They can run their own emergency communication systems, which we'll probably talk about a bit later. Uh, we provide assistance in applying for grants, or we can be a, a nonprofit sponsor for your group potentially. Uh, you get priority information about training. Um, kind of what's going to happen today is you get invited to our leadership calls, and this very radio show is going to be kind of a miniature version of one of those leadership meetings, um, which are excellent and inspirational. Uh, the different groups get together and share what they've learned and share projects and kind of mentor each other and generally uh, create a lot of inspiration. Uh, and with that, I'm going to start moving on to our guests. We have with us today Keith Rutledge from the Sherwood Firewise, and he's the co-founder and a steering group member of that organization. Uh, we have Megan Watson, who's a co-founder of the McNabb Ridge Fire Save Council, and we have Eric Hart, who is the chair of the recently expanded Ridgewood Fire Save Council. Um, and I'm, maybe we'll go in reverse order. I'd like to start off by letting each of you um, introduce yourselves briefly and um, give us a little bit about what motivates you to be active participants in your neighborhood fire safe council. Um, maybe we'll, I say, reverse the order. Start with Eric. Sure, Scott. Thanks. Uh, so my wife, uh, Dr. Tatum, and I moved up here in 2019. Uh, after coming up here for years to visit, we fell in love with the area and we bought a place off of Williams Ranch Road. Uh, the fire safe council to me personally is, I guess, about the land and my neighbors and the community. Uh, the council meetings are actually where I met a majority of my neighbors for the first time. Coming here, I, I really didn't know anything about wildfire or fire preparedness, nothing more than what I'd seen on the news. Um, but I saw the challenges that we were faced with the ever-increasing fires and that it was just a matter of time before it was our turn. Um, there were a few people out here who were pretty well read on wildfire, maybe one or two that had been through one before, but most knew little more than I did about it. And yet they were stepping up and doing something about it. And it was inspiring. Uh, so I found myself participating with the council more and more as we learned and, and grew as a group. We figured things out with uh, the support of folks like you and uh, Lauren from Pine Mountain, Keith and uh, Brian at Sherwood Firewise. And soon I realized that even though uh, I love the privacy and the quiet, really the independence that that living out here in the mountains and, and off the grid brought that the only way that you can prepare for these wildfires is as a community. I mean, a house fire is, is something you can prepare for as an individual. It's an individual thing, but by definition, a wildfire is a community thing. And the only way that you can prepare for it is as a community. And so that's why I participate in the council and, and, and do all this. Great. Thank you. Um, Megan. Yeah, it's great to be on this morning. Um, 
you know, I second everything that Eric says about uh, wildfire really affecting a whole community. I mean, it really affects the whole county anytime there's a fire, but whenever there's a fire in your neighborhood, even if it doesn't come onto your land, it still affects everyone in the community. So um, I think that kind of responding and preparing has to be a community effort. And um, yeah, and I think for me, especially, uh, you know, we've seen wildfires increase. Like you said, there's a wildfire crisis right now. And unfortunately with climate change, that's not going away anytime soon. So that's really motivating for me that, you know, not only do we need to reduce our risks, um, but learn how to live with and even thrive as a community under what's going to be an ongoing climate crisis. Okay, thanks, Megan. Um, Keith, your turn. Hi, this is Keith Rutledge, Sherwood Firewise, and thanks so much for putting it on. Um, definitely echo what everybody said so far. I think for myself, I, I moved here in 1984, built a, built my own solar-powered house, been off the grid ever since. So I think a lot of folks in the, uh, especially the rural parts of the county, are pretty independent kind of folks and, and sort of like that lifestyle. Um, but we also put ourselves in the middle of a giant forest, and in particular in Brook Trails uh, area, which is part of our Sherwood Corridor community. Um, we have, you know, 1,500-plus homes and in our area, about 5,000 people. So it's a big area, uh, almost akin to an urban kind of an area, but without a commercial center. And unfortunately, we've, we've been voted the most vulnerable community in the county uh, several times. And part of that is because of the amount of homes built into the, uh, the woods, that, that interface uh, that we talk about a lot. Uh, but also part of it is access related of, of the issues of how do you get in and get out of a community. And uh, really that's how I, I volunteered on the Brook Trails Fire Department uh, a couple of decades ago in the younger days and uh, got to fight quite a few fires and really understand fire behavior because of that a lot better, um, but can also see the catastrophe that's waiting for us. And I mean, right now with the latest snowstorm and the trees down is another good indication of something we didn't even really plan on, uh, not only a power outage, but just huge amount of vegetation down. So I think that um, both vegetation management and access are the two um, sort of main things. And I just want to close with one other. Uh, Sheriff Tom Allman told us, told me several times uh, that limited resources in our small county, uh, we can't count on the sheriff and we can't count on the fire departments. Um, they're there, it's wonderful, but we have to take on a lot ourselves as citizens so what we're doing as Fire Safe Councils is preparing our own home, our own family, our neighborhoods, our communities, pushing from the grassroots up. Um, and we've got to do a lot of the work because <clears throat> the great first responders will do everything they can, uh, but they have limited resources, so we've got to help them. And that's what Fire Safe Council is all about. So thanks for the opportunity. Well, um, you all made some great points. And, yeah, just to drive that last one home, um, it would be really expensive if there was a fire truck per house. Um, so that's just not going to happen. Uh, there's a few to go around for a large area and until the first responders get to you, if they can, um, you know, the first response is up to you and being part of the neighborhood council can really help you get ready for that. So we're going to, in a minute, get into, uh, there's a super long list of things that neighborhood councils can tackle, uh, to help with the situation. We probably won't have time to cover all of them, uh, uh, councils represented on this show have done a lot of them already. 
Um, but before we dig into activities, just wanted to get a little brief history of each of the fire safe councils we have with us just to give some context. Um, so uh, if we can get you to talk about sort of generally when your council formed and, and what its size is and um, kind of what, what inspired it to get together, if, if that uh, seems relevant, that'd be great. And maybe we'll reverse the order again and start with Keith this time. All right. Um, well, Sherwood Firewise began after the Redwood Valley Fire, uh, which was, you know, threatening to come into Willits and heading this way. And at the time, uh, the county uh, formed an ad hoc committee of supervisors, Jerdy and Haschek, uh, actually it was Krosky at the time, to uh, look at communities with one way in and one way out, because one of the problems with the Redwood Valley Fire was the ingress and egress um, aspects of that fire. Um, in particular, our fire chief um, told us in a public meeting that uh, the Brook Trails community, which up until that time had had Sherwood Road as the major evacuation route and had four additional emergency travel routes for access to the community in other ways, uh, that those routes basically had been abandoned and weren't, weren't, were no longer able to be used. That was a big impetus for me, and I think it was also for the whole community to um, try to find a way to get those access routes back while we're organized as a community for being a more fire-safe community. So we think about vegetation quite a bit, but um, access was one of the major issues for our community. And again, it may not be the same for, for every community. We have a whole lot of people with very limited in-and-out kind of access. Um, long story short, <clears throat> what we've focused on is both vegetation management, educating people what they can do in their own homes, but as a community and with the support of the Brook Trails Community Services District, with the unanimous support of the Mendocino County Board of Supervisors, uh, with a huge amount of support from the fire departments, Brook Trails Fire Department and Little Lake Fire Department and CAL FIRE, uh, we have been, and our local foundations, Community Foundation, North Coast Opportunities, um, have found tremendous support from within the community to uh, reopen these access routes and I'll just we'll probably talk about it more but it was very successful we did manage to get one of the routes opened Cal Fire cleared it and that route was very useful for attacking the fire the oak incident that we recently had so we we had we knew it was important we spent a lot of time on it we were told we weren't going to be able to do it but um, against all odds the community rose up the organizations the agencies all supported us we have that access route uh, available for access to the fire and it was very important in controlling that fire so uh, you know it was a, a huge success for us um, improving right away uh, you know the the vegetation down right now is our next big challenge of we're we're just unbelievably uh, overwhelmed with how much wood fell out of the sky uh, from these snowstorms and now we've got to go and, and redo what we just spent the last two or three years uh, cleaning up. And that's that's a huge problem I think we're going to have um, in the rural areas of the county that we might talk about later. Thanks, Keith. Um, and that points out one other benefit I want to highlight quickly, which is that the um, once you are an organized fire safe council, um, I, and it's amazing to me how much it was accomplished in a relatively short time, uh, but once you're an organized fire safe council, it helps you leverage and and talk with all of the other groups. Keith mentioned a whole bunch of other resources that came in and helped. 
uh, and it's much easier to connect with those resources and your fire district and the board of supervisors and um, and lots of other resources once you are an organized neighborhood fire safe council and not just a lone voice. So uh, another great reason for getting a council going. Um, Megan, could you give us a little bit of history for, of the McNabb Group? Yeah, so we were relatively new as well. So I think we became official fire safe council in, in early 2019, but the seeds were um, in 2018 after the river fire. I don't know how many people are familiar with where McNabb Ranch is, but I was driving home one day and I happened to basically watch the river fire start, which became part of the Mendocino complex fire. So it was right across from the ranch. And um, so that really motivated a lot of people, obviously. I mean, I think the motivation had been building, but not too long after the river fire, someone put up a sign at, I don't know, for any of you who have been on McNabb Ranch, you know, there's the T at the bottom of the road, right? Everyone has to drive past it. So someone put up a sign and said, you know, neighborhood fire meeting or whatever it said, um, you know, this day. And so, uh, so I went down to check it out. I don't know who did it, but thank you to whoever did that. It was genius. And so I went down to check it out and there was maybe 50 people standing around in the, in the road, <laughs> you know, on the side of the road. And, um, you know, people could probably relate to this. The mood was heavy and people were really scared. And I think coming together to look for a way to kind of find some solutions for each other, build support for each other and, um, and feel safer in their homes. And, and so, you know, seeing how, how much interest there was, seeing that there was like a big demand for some kind of space for people to get together and work together. Um, a few people, myself and a few folks that were at that meeting um, said, you know, let's make this more official. And we could have maybe just had, you know, occasional neighborhood gatherings, which I'm sure would have had great benefit, but knowing that there was, you know, the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council um, kind of there to provide resources and guidance, we we said, let's make this more official. So we got together with, um, I think we called another meeting at the road and said, had good attendance again. And, um, and people were interested in becoming an official fire safe council. So that was really the beginning. You know, we passed out a, uh, a clipboard, people wrote their emails down and we started communicating. Um, I think there are about 200 parcels on McNabb and, um, and we have about 60 or 70 households just on our email list that was basically acquired at our first few meetings. So you can see there was a lot of interest and, um, and it was great to have kind of like a container that we could go to, to get started. There was like a model we could follow. That was really helpful. Great. Thank you, Megan. Um, yeah, there's another good, good thing we could have more of is great sort of entranceway community bulletin boards, both to, help get the word out and uh, maybe to help first responders find things as well. Absolutely. Um, um, Eric, can you give us a little bit about, uh, about what has become Ridgewood? Sure. Uh, we're, we're, we're young and compared to 
to Sherwood and some of the others around here. Uh, but the story is, is very similar. It's pretty much the definition of, of a grassroots organization. Um, one of my neighbors, Reese Locum, heard about fire safe councils as they started popping back up in, or popping up in the, I think in the early 2000s. But uh, like both Keith and Megan just said, it was the 2017 fires coming so close to home that really triggered a neighborhood response. She felt something needed to be done in our area to prepare for the next one. She reached out to a couple of neighbors, Janae and Robert, Denise, David, asked if they would be interested in working together to start their own council. And they reached out to their neighbors and so on. Uh, about 10 of them met and um, talked about the real basics, what needed to be done and what they could do. Uh, we had our first public meeting for the whole uh, Williams Ranch Road area in July of 2019. Uh, it was a lot of discussion just about home hardening, go bag, evacuation plans, fuel reduction, really the basic stuff. Um, at first, uh, this was just about preparing our road, about 50 or so people along Williams Ranch. Um, but as we did a lot of work in our little neck of the woods over the first year and learned what it was like to be a fire safe council, we started discussing our neighbors on the surrounding roads and how we were all really dependent upon each other when it comes to fire preparedness. We talked about how we might be able to reach out and start supporting our neighbors, inviting them to our meetings and our training, getting their areas included in our projects, planning evacuations with them, all of that. Uh, that eventually led to a Zoom meeting last fall where we invited all about 800 people in the or 800 so properties it's more i think it's more around thousand people in the ridgewood park area uh to attend the zoom now of course uh nowhere near all 800 attended um but enough did and that led us to expanding to become the ridgewood fire safe council and now uh we support the area south of the 20 along the 101 down to williams ranch or down to uh, ridgewood ranch and then west from the 101 out till, well, out till you hit Williams Ranch Road and there are no more homes and just forests until you hit uh, Comche and the coast communities. And uh, we're just getting started on spreading throughout that area and getting the neighbors engaged and, and figuring out where to go from there. Great. Go ahead, Cobb. So if you just tuned in, you just heard an introduction from a variety of our local fire safe councils. This is KZYX, and this is the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council radio show. Back to you, Scott. Okay, um, and those were great introductions. Thank you, everybody. The thing that jumped out at me is that um, for those listening out there wondering if they should start something, um, starting something can be a fairly low bar, as simple as somebody talking to a couple of neighbors and if you've uh, if you've been uh, wondering how to how to talk with some of your neighbors because you don't necessarily have anything in common to start a conversation with the wildfire danger you share is a great conversation starter um, so it's super easy to do um, and um, you know just why not get it going anyhow uh, moving on from there i want to sort of lump a couple questions together and um, get a little bit of a sense about how the groups 
organize and communicate and how you figure out what you're going to work on. So how, how basically do, uh, do your groups activate um, and what, what kind of process are you using to keep it going? Um, and since we've had Megan sandwiched in the middle of the whole time, maybe we'll start with, start with Megan. And I just had a text about the Fire Safe Council come in, and I got a little distracted. Would you say that question again? I just want to get a little sense. I think there's a fair diversity in how the group works, and I want to give a sense of people of the range. So, uh, you know, what? How do you communicate among the group, and you know, how do you how do you keep organized? And uh, also, just sort of, how do you figure out what to work on next? What's 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 your basic process? Yeah. Um, well, like you said, I think that there's a wide variety of how things can work. And, um, you know, we try to keep our fire safe council very unofficial, very neighborly, very grassroots. Um, so we communicate in a few ways. Um, like I said, there's an email list that a few people have. It's just a Gmail account and a few people have access to it. Um, so that's one way to communicate. Um and, you know, back before COVID, of course, we were having in-person meetings. That was probably the most valuable way to communicate. Of course, we're looking forward to when we can gather again. Um, and we have a few other, you know, there's a couple of the real benefits from the Fire Safe Council, from getting together in those first meetings and learning you know, who all of our neighbors are, um, was that just growing our network, our personal networks and our neighborhood network. So I think that, um, you know, some of the outcomes of the first few meetings, like I said, is that we had a lot more people join next door. We started a McNabb Facebook group and, um, you know, my personal phone list grew <laughs> with neighbors. And I know that that's really true for a lot of our, a lot of our neighbors. And so I think that, um, I think that those, you know, that kind of digital communication um, in groups, um, just interpersonal communication, calling your immediate neighbors more often, um, and then having in-person meetings, all three of those things together, um, they, they kind of build on member skills. You know, some of our neighbors really love going out and um, talking to people, going house to house, talking to people one-on-one -on -one and saying, hey, we have a chipper day coming up. Are you interested? Um, we also have a member who's really tech savvy, who's made an amazing website um, called firesafemcnab.org. And, you know, that's where their skills are. And so they post amazing, like, local local news updates or resources that might be interesting to the community. So, you know, we try to keep our communication going in a few ways, but I have to say probably the most effective is um, I have to give a big shout out to Suzanne Atal, who is, you know, constantly meeting with people, reaching out to people on an individual level. Um, and that really has been the most effective way to, to, get information about what's needed in the community and to share resources that the Fire Safe Council is learning about or getting access to. Great, thank you. Um, I think probably the 
furthest extreme. Um, that's a kind of organic and, and great process you've got going on with a, a bunch of layers. Um, Sherwood has uh, a incredibly organized and intensive set of communications. So uh, it could almost almost be a whole show by itself. But Keith, can you give us kind of a summary of how you guys organize your meetings and communicate? You bet. Yeah, and and uh, I think everything Megan said, regardless of scale, you know, this all comes down to your own home, you as a family, your property, your neighbors, and out into the community. So whether it's a community of ten homes on a block or or fifteen hundred homes in a in a subdivision, um, you know, the the all the efforts are very similar. Um, <clears throat> Megan also mentioned the, the pre-COVID, uh, whatever we're going to call it, the before times. I don't know. It's it's sort of a of a, a disaster upon another disaster, and a let's not forget climate change was the one before even all of that, um, which is, is something I hope we get to of, of seeing the bigger picture of it's not just about fire, it's also about water and the whole watershed and the environment and such. But anyway, the organizational, uh, there's no way anybody can do any of these things by yourself. You have to have some dedicated people. And I think that um, from my prior experience in working with nonprofits for 40 years, you know, you can see a small group of people that are dedicated that can leverage the the, the activities of a, a huge number of people and agencies and funding and such. So, so I think it's important that, uh, that one thing we realize is not everyone has time to attend meetings or even inclinations uh, necessarily, but that doesn't mean they're not interested in the information. So it's a it's how do you get the information out the, the best way to people draw in the people you can with really easy specific tasks. Um, we try to do things like have prizes for raffles and and contests and some things like that to make it a little more fun. But at the end of the day, it's a it's a small group of very dedicated people that meet regularly. We we have a staff meeting once a week. We have a Zoom meeting used to be an in person meeting once a month. Uh, we have a website, SherwoodFirewise.org. We have a Facebook page, face, uh, Facebook Sherwood Firewise. Um, you know, all those things are, are because individuals got together and on their own brought their talents and, and their dedication to making that happen. Um, I also want to talk, though, that it's important to think about outward looking because your community doesn't exist in a vacuum, and that's what this whole Fire Safe Council networking is about. I, I regularly attend the uh, the monthly Fire Safe Council meetings, and very important to do that. But also our Brook Trails Township Community Services District, the Brook Trails Fire Department, Mendocino County, uh, various agencies, Office of Emergency Services in particular has been helpful to us, the Sheriff's Office, uh, CAL FIRE, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, so it's the organizing, we call it networking the networks. Um, so, you know, one organization can network with another organization and leverage hundreds of, of people doing things and, and, and bring in funds. And funding is very important um, to look at as far as sustainability. Um, I know that a lot of people listening to these shows will remember there were other fire safe councils in the past, back to like 2008 time frame when there were other fires. And so these efforts come and go as uh, people's interest comes and goes. And so it's important that while this is emergencies are happening, we build infrastructure. We do things like these access roads I mentioned or the vegetation removal or more water storage or those kinds of long-term investments while the funding and the, and the interest is there. 
is important, but it also needs to have sustainability that it will continue on uh, well past us into the future. And that's been one of our problems as a, in Mendocino County is fits and starts of doing some great clearing work and then not doing anything for 10 or 20 years and it grows back. Um, so sustainability should be uh, high on our list of what, what can we do as a group to maintain a group so we don't burn out, um, have some fun along the way, get some really positive things happening so people are excited about being involved, and then but also be able to sustain beyond ourselves. So I'll leave, leave that. Cool. Thanks, Keith. Um, and before I turn to Eric, I'm just going to give Eric a kudo in particular. One of the, uh, one of the things we've tackled um, since I've been involved with the county process, one of the things that came up early in our meetings of neighborhood council leadership was communication systems, which is kind of what I was touching on with this question. Uh, and Eric was incredibly helpful because for his group, he had helped um, do a bunch of research on all the different automated communication systems that are available out there uh, and made that available to everybody that uh, that was interested in it. Uh, it's sort of become a focus. And uh, if you look at our website now, actually, I think one of the most recent pages we put up under Prepare Your Neighborhood is a neighborhood communications guide, which... Um, summarizes some of the options for creating your own communications network uh, other than the old-fashioned phone tree uh, and gives some detailed readouts of um, how Sherwoods works and how Ridgewoods works and how the one on Greenfield works. Uh, so there's a ton of information that you don't have to start from scratch. You can see what some other people have done. And with that, I'm going to let Eric actually talk about how they, how they organize their group and have put the communications together. Sure. Uh, really, like the other, like Megan mentioned, we're we're very informal. We have steering committee meetings once, twice a month, and a general public meeting every three or four months with various project groups meeting as needed in between. Uh, communication is the core of any group, and uh, out here there are folks who communicate in all kinds of different ways. Some people don't have internet. Um, and don't have access to it. Some don't have uh, cell phone service. So we use a, a variety of, of ways to get the word out. Email a bulletin board at the beginning of the, the road. We use the, just the U.S. Postal Service to send out notifications. Uh, we make phone calls. We meet people on the side of the road when we're passing in and out. Uh, for those meetings, uh, we do have an agenda that we follow each meeting just just to keep us on track, but that's about it. Uh, we don't do the formal yay-nay voting or motions and seconds and all of that. It's really just a group of neighbors discussing what's on our minds firewise and, and making decisions as a group on how to best support and protect our neighborhood. Uh, the only real thing that's changed since COVID is moving the meetings to Zoom rather than having them in someone's backyard. Um, it's been great. We do miss the snacks, though, but uh, otherwise, um, it's been working real well. Uh, to communicate with the wider organization, uh, as you as you just brought up, we use the um, we use what we call REN, the Ridgewood Emergency Network, uh, and that is the communication, the mass communication system that we set up to notify folks about emergencies. Uh, given where we live, you can get pretty disconnected from what's going on in the world, which is wonderful most of the time. Uh, but 
during a wildfire, being disconnected is the last thing that you want to be. Um, so when we first started, we made emergency communications a top priority. Uh, we've always had an informal phone tree, like you mentioned. Um, however, we quickly realized that the phone tree model can fail often and not reach people. In an emergency, we, we just can't have that happen. Um, so we went uh, with what's generally called, I guess, a, a one-call system or an emergency alert system. It's very similar to Nixle or Everbridge um, that folks may have heard of that the county uses. Uh, it enables us from a computer or a phone to send out an alert to everybody that's signed up within a couple minutes. Sherwood has used this uh, model long before we did and, and extensively used it in the last fire. I'm sure Keith can kind of fill us in on how that worked for them. Uh, but it's uh, enabled us to send out calls, hundreds of calls and texts within a minute or so, getting the message out to everybody and getting out quickly. Um, as a backup to that should, because that is of course dependent upon cell phone towers being up and working and in past fires, those have gone down. So as a backup to that, we're in the process of setting up a two-way radio network, basically a, a walkie talkie network. Uh, we're hoping that we'll be able to get each house an inexpensive walkie talkie, um, that we'll send and we'll use those to send out our emergency updates. And uh, being who we are, we also have a backup for the backup. So the, the low-tech version of all of that is to at least make sure that everybody knows that there's an emergency of some sort. So that's basically driving through the neighborhood with portable sirens and car horns. So out here, if you hear the high-low sirens or three honks on the car horn repeated over and over, that's the alert that something is going on. You should get back to your house, find your cell phone listen to the radio and find out what's happening. Um, that's, that's what we've got worked out out here, Scott. Great, thank you. Um, just to uh, circle back on communications for a minute, I um, want to make super clear that the local communication systems we're talking about are not intended as a communication or a replacement for official systems. Uh, I think every group urges everyone in it to make sure you're signed up for the Mendocino alerts and for Nixle both so you get official broadcasts and information that's super important and critical this is definitely not a replacement so do that first uh, but then uh, i've heard from several groups and i know eric mentioned this that having your own local communication system underneath that um, is a great attraction for people uh, it's it's something you can offer that um provides an extra layer of information that lets word spread in the neighborhood about who needs help quickly, about something that you've seen that's nearby. Uh, so it's a great value added for, for organizing uh, as you're getting started. Looks like Cobb wants to jump in. Hey everybody, you're tuned to KZYX. And Scott, I just uh, had a question uh, for our listeners in general. Uh, how do they go about getting signed up for the Nixle and the Everbridge, or what's a quick link for them to follow along if they're hearing that part of the show? Um, you can go to our website for the Communications Network um, section, and I think every Neighborhood Fire Safe Council has it, but um, uh, Everbridge is uh, the, probably the easiest way to sign up to that is to go to the sheriff's website, uh, www.mendocinosheriff.com, uh, and there's a link there under alerts, 
And for Nixel, you can just text your zip code. Nixel is, a, as I understand it, a primarily cell phone-based kind of network. So it's uh, for those who have that, and you can text your zip code to 888-777. Um, so, um, and again, that's, that's repeated on our website. And uh, you can also go to the county um, of Mendocino Office of Emergency Service page, and that will give you a good walk through so if you forget one there are a number of different ways you can remember to to get to that information um I guess now, gonna, this, is, this yeah. is keith i just wanted to add one other thing we found and that is if you don't or if you're not a user of the internet or web access you can call the sheriff's office and ask them to set you up in the everbridge system because a lot of people don't have a cell phone to get those text alerts the Everbridge system isn't used that much yet by the OES, but it will be if more people sign up. So we really want people to register, but you do have to either get on the Internet or call the sheriff and have them walk you through signing it up because you have to set up your own individual account. Thanks. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, and anybody else who has better information about and other ways to get signed up, just jump right in because communications is key and in an emergency in communications and regular communications not only helps people not panic, but it um, helps people make sure they're doing the right thing. So, um, super critical. Um, no one else has something else they want to say about that. I want to jump in with keeping things going. Keith mentioned sustainability, um, which is super critical. Uh, and one of those things is having committed people. And another part of it is generally, or at least it certainly doesn't hurt to have some kind of funding uh, to help keep things going. Um, and we haven't really touched base on that yet. Um, maybe we'll circle back around and start with Eric and just about how you, you know, what kind of, how do you keep things funded for what you're doing? Well, it, funding is one of the the biggest struggles that we have, as I'm sure most of the fire safe councils do, we get our funding where we can get it. Uh, if we have a specific project in mind and there's a grant out there that works for it, um, we will apply for those. Uh, some good examples would be the chipper days where we had a couple weeks of, of a tree service come out that Mendocino Fire Safe Council sponsored through a grant. We also got a, a wonderful grant through NCO and EPIC that enabled us to reach out to the larger Ridgewood uh, area and actually start bringing and engaging those people and getting them involved in the Fire Safe Council. So grants are out there, um, but they're usually pretty specific about what they cover. So to cover the rest of the things that we do, we've got a couple of just uh, grassroots sources. Uh, we have people who donate uh, money to help cover our REN, the Ridgewood Emergency Network uh, expenses. We ask everybody who signs up to, to donate five bucks for the year. Uh, some people donated 20, 30, 40 uh, just because they felt it was a valuable service and they wanted to help out. So that helps us cover the cost uh, for that. We're in the process of setting up some real basic things like uh, uh, a raffle for the neighborhood, the entire neighborhood that we're going to send out and raffle some prizes off and, and bring in some money that way. Um, 
really that's that's kind of how how you've got to do it in in these days thanks uh megan would you like to jump in on that yeah well thank you eric for mentioning epic in my day job i'm the mendocino program coordinator for epic which stands for emergency preparedness in communities and um, if you're interested in that you can always check us out you can just um you know search for nco epic uh, or you can go to our facebook page for information about preparedness um, if you're on facebook and you just search nco epic preparedness you'll find us there um, but one of the things that i was really excited about with epic was that there was a grant opportunity for fire safe councils to apply and so we've actually uh, been working on grants with sherwood firewise and with uh, what was the Williams Ranch Road Fire Safe Council? I guess it's Ridgewood Fire Safe Council now. Did I get that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> okay, good. Well, update the paperwork. Um, but, uh, but I think that for the most part, um, you know, McNabb Fire Safe Council hasn't done a lot of fundraising. Um, you know, individual people have donated their their some time and money um, and the McNabb Fire Safe Council has worked with the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council um, on, you know, chipper days on, we had a, some fuel management um, and road clearing projects that were grants through the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council. And as a smaller council, we've really relied on the funding and kind of the organizational structure and support of the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council, because um, that wasn't something that kind of as currently constructed was really like in our capacity or what we really wanted to take on. We wanted to focus more on those kind of neighbor to neighbor contacts. That was where our energy could go. Um, and for the most part, fire safe councils are mostly volunteer endeavors. And I think that's important to keep in mind. Um, and, you know, I think McKee said and other folks have said here that, you know, you don't have to necessarily be an expert or you don't have to devote every minute of every day to it, but a few committed people can go, can take things a really long way. You know, McNabb Fire Safe or McNabb Branch is the one way in, one way out community. It has been for years. Um, and it was just a couple people who looked at maps and identified um, a spot on the ranch that there was a, where the properties of um, McNabb Ranch and Feliz Creek, which are kind of two separate neighborhoods, they're two different road systems. They identified a place that those could connect, um, talked to the neighbors that had the adjoining properties and those two adjoining properties um, built a road in between the two of them. And now McNabb Ranch isn't a one-way and one-way-out community anymore. So just a few people building relationships, you know, working together, having patience, took a lot of patience, like accomplished something really major. And that was all volunteer efforts. Um, but another piece about volunteer efforts is that I wanted to share is that, you know, we had in one of our meetings, we had had a few meetings at this point. This was, um, you know, kind of at the end of 2019 and we were feeling really ambitious. And so we had this meeting and we made this long list. We said, okay, 
what's everything that we want to do? And, you know, for those of you who look around your property or your neighbor's property, you know, maybe as you drive down the road, there's a million projects that you could do, right? So we had this enormous list. And then we raised the question, okay, so which of those are you going to do? Because those are two different things. <laughs> what we want to do and what we can do or what we will do in the moment. And, um, you know, that completely changed the conversation because there wasn't anyone who was going to do that long list for us. Um, and so that that dream list is still out there. It's still aspirational. Um, and I think that's really important to maintain. But for the moment, you know, it was, okay, well, let's work on building our phone trees. You know, every person at that meeting went and talked to 10 of their neighbors. And that was a huge step. And so we celebrated that. Um, and, you know, and those are the same efforts that keep it alive. Um, I think one other point you were kind of asking about, you know, sustainability as part of the question is that, you know, when we have the kind of the community network and we have sort of reasonable and attainable goals, you know, that doesn't mean that that list, that dream list isn't going to happen. It means that, you know, we're doing what we can right now. We're keeping the organization alive. We're building, we're taking steps. And as long as it's still going, you know, that space is open. You know, when we first started, we wouldn't have thought we were going to have a great website, but then a person came in and said, oh, I can do that. And then, you know, now we have another great communication tool. So, um, you know, when you decide what you can do now, that doesn't, you know, cancel out what you might do in the future. So I'd really encourage everyone to take the steps that you can. And, you know, you never know what that's going to build into. So just keep going. Awesome. Thank you, Megan. Um, Keith, you want to talk a little about finances and sustainability? We're kind of, we're running, I'm going to, after you're done, I'm going to do the list of all the things we didn't get to, which, um, okay. which we'll probably, well, maybe I, we'll I have think, to do a part two show, but go, go ahead, Keith. Sure, yeah, I, and I think money does come into this, even again, even if you're just a local neighborhood. I've, I've spoken at quite a few small fire safe councils, and eventually somebody says, well, look, uh, we'll pitch in some money. People write a check to Joe Blow or, or Susie, Susie Blow, and uh, they become the treasurer, and people are sort of funneling money. But pretty soon you start thinking about, well, wait a minute, um, can people donate money? You know, we need some kind of checking account. Um, because eventually, it, it, to be sustainable, you really do need to have some kind of financial underpinning just to cover those kinds of expenses, because, you know, everybody pitches in for a while, but it's a lot better if you have some external funding. And again, the Fire Safe Council on the county level provides that service for a lot of these volunteer organizations that don't have any kind of corporate status or any organizational status um, and, and really don't even want or need that, uh, but can become, can have access to funding through the County Fire Safe Council. And I think that's for sustainability what a lot of our small groups should be aiming towards as becoming members of the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council, participating, uh, networking with others, learning what we do, and also having us apply together as a groups large scale like the chipper days is a good uh, example where um, going after big funding but that it spreads out to all these smaller communities so as far as funding goes again the, either you need to have a, a, a fiscal sponsor of some sort so you have a taxpayer id number and somebody that can take donations or the fire safe council provides that and, and that's i think that's a great service oh 
Um, thank you, Keith. I'm going to um, give you all a, a hopefully a moment to um, put in any sort of major accomplishments or things you'd like to share, but just to give a sense of the vast array of things a neighborhood council can do, all of these might be on, on that wish list that, that, uh, that Megan mentioned. Um, a great thing that a neighborhood group can do is evacuation planning. Uh, super important and um, just like the example that Megan pointed out that's a perfect one uh, you know the official route maps uh, are never going to have the granularity of your neighborhood it's, it's good to think through you, you don't know which direction fire can come from uh, so it's good to have a plan to go in a number of different directions and that might involve having contact with a neighbor and knowing that you can use their driveway to, to get through to the south or whatever. So granular neighborhood plans are super important. That's the kind of thing a neighborhood council can do. Uh, as can uh, Keith pointed out, they did had a majorly successful uh, project on uh, ingress, creating more ingress, uh, mapping of the neighborhood, uh, clearing projects, my particular neighborhood, Fire Safe Council, our last big activity was a giant broom removal day uh, where we took out truckloads of broom with just a bunch of people getting together with some tools, um, which is, by the way, another thing we're working on is the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council is starting to build a tool library that your your neighborhood group um, can, can have access to. Uh, refuge areas, having organized refuge areas, educational projects, helping each other with home assessments um, are all important. Uh, working on, I know both um, Ridgewood and Sherwood are doing some look at increasing water sources and how um, private individuals can work to help develop some more water sources for firefighting. And so, I mean, the list goes on and on. There are an infinite number of things you can do and probably someone sitting in your, in your neighborhood uh, is the right person to get excited about one of those things at the moment. So the, the more you create your network and find out what, uh, what people are inspired about in your area, the better chance you have to put more and more of those pieces together. Um, and we are coming close to the end. And so I wanted to just sort of open it up and see if any of you have uh, a, pressing, a pressing thing or accomplishment that your group had that I haven't given you an opportunity to, to pitch in with yet. Uh, this is Keith. I'll just jump in and say evacuation planning, have a plan, have a go bag, practice it. Um, you pra Kids practice in schools, businesses have fire drills. Everybody needs to have your own plan for your family, whether it's a local fire in your house or a bigger fire. Have that plan, have your go bags ready, be prepared, and practice, 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 because that's what we did, and we had a very successful evacuation when the time came. Yep, awesome. That was another big success out in Sherwood. They they did some drills, and lo and behold, they had to use it, and it um, it obviously helped a lot. Um, Megan, anything else you'd like to come in with? Um, yeah, I think you know I want to thank Keith for mentioning kind of not only neighborhood preparedness but personal preparedness. I think um, you know in all of this work, kind of starting with yourself, starting with your neighbors, starting small, and building from there is probably the most important thing you can do. I think if you can take care of yourself, then you can be in a better place to help your neighbors. Um, with that, you know, I would just pitch the epic preparedness again, you know, <laughs> um, if you want to check it out to learn more about your personal steps, but also how you can help your friends and neighbors. Um, 
And that's one of the things that I really learned from not only the Fire Safe Council work, but also working with um, Epic Preparedness is that every step of preparedness builds on itself. So you have to take the baby steps, the foundational steps, the very first steps um, of you know having your go bag, having your plan, and then working with your friends and neighbors. Um, and you know I want to celebrate. Keith had mentioned the Fire Safe Councils that had kind of come before in waves. And, um, you know, speaking of building on things, I wanted to celebrate the fire safe councils that have done work before. Um, you know, McNabb Ranch didn't used to have a map. A lot of places didn't have addresses. And the fire safe councils that came before us, you know, they weren't active. We had to restart, but they had done the mapping work before us. And so we were able to build on that. So, um, yeah, think about what you can do for yourself and your neighborhood to build on, you know, not only for this fire season, but fire seasons to come. Cool. Thank you. Um, I think we just have a couple of seconds for Eric. You're going to have to be super quick. If you sure. Uh, I just echo them at the individual level, get signed up for your, your local communications, as well as the Mendo alerts, the Nixle, the Everbridge, knowing what's going on is the first step in everything. Uh, get involved in your in your fire safe council, help them out with projects, vulnerable space plans on your own homes. And then at the community level, start talking about stuff at a large level. Uh, look at cert teams, look at fuel breaks um, around your neighborhood. Uh, look at where is the fire department going to get water from in your area and look at your evacuation routes. Look at alternate building alternatives. Uh, fire trails and escape routes where you have a one-way in, one-way out situation. They're all doable. It, all three of us on the call have been through that. It It is absolutely doable uh, for anybody. Just step up and get your neighbors involved and, and reach out to Scott, and we'll support you along the way. Thank you. You guys have been awesome guests. Uh, much appreciation. I wanted, I wanted to share one more thing that for people who have a hard time getting themselves prepared, maybe your first step is reaching out to your local fire safe council for help getting prepared. Thank you, Megan. Cobb, you want to take us out? Or? Everybody, thank you so much for being here. Um, Everyone who joined us for the interview today, thank you all for coming on today. And once again, Scott Craddy, director of the Mendocino County Safe Fire Safe Council. Excuse me. Scott, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you, cop. Appreciate it.